all of you are thinking pretty much what I'm thinking right now, too. Like, oh, really, how do you follow that? You know, right? On Father's Day, no less. So, okay, here we go. Good morning, everybody. My name is Steve Osborne. I am uh, the newest kid on the Seacoast staff block. I have the great privilege of serving with Katie, and um, it's been an absolute blast. So it's my pleasure to make your acquaintance if we've not yet met, but uh, it's been just a great ride to be able to be here. And, and um, you kind of realize where you are on the pecking chart or pecking order a little bit, I guess, on the, on the chart a little bit by a couple different things. And, and I'm just kind of getting to know Seacoast culture a little bit. And so if you've been with us for either one of the last couple of weeks, you've heard our guide Dom walk us through these incredible healing stories in the gospel of John. They've just been beautiful. And, and if you've been here, and I would highly encourage you seriously to watch them online, that sounds like, I don't know, that sounds like I'm selling something, but they've been just incredible. And, and, and Dom got us to these places where you just felt like you were there. You, it just, they just felt like, you just felt it. You felt the tension, you felt the emotion, you felt the conflict, you felt all this kind of stuff. So Dom just does this unbelievable job on these two healing stories back to back. And then he gives the new guy judgment on Father's Day. Like, here we are, you guys. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, Father's Day judgment right here. Hold still, dads, or go in the gospel of John. Actually, that's kind of true. The, the judgment is a theme in, in this section of, of John's gospel, and we're going to be walking through this, <laughs> walking through this t- together. But if you're joining us, you may realize that we've been in and out of the gospel of John here for a little while, most of the, most of the year, and we suspended after Easter, and now we are back in. And and as we walk, through, walk this out and through the Gospel of, of John, we're in a section today in which it's one of those places where if you've ever read the Gospels at all for any reason, whether you believe in Jesus or whether you don't, if you've ever spent some time in the Gospels, one of the things that probably is a head-scratcher to you, as it is to many of us, is something like this. How did this thing go so sideways so fast? Like... <laughs> How is it that how is it that that Jesus is in such trouble so quickly? Like, isn't he kind of coming to do good things or to bring good things? And doesn't gospel mean good news? And yet, I don't know. This thing is just kind of it's full of conflict, it's full of controversy, it's full of all kinds of different things. And we're in a section in John in which we're going to look at how the axis of that whole conversation turns. How somehow this thing got sideways, seemingly, really quickly. And here's a kicker. Jesus is just going to pour gasoline on it. He's not going to do anything to remove the tension. He's not going to anything to pull his punches. He's not going to do anything to be more popular or get more likes. He's not going to do any of that stuff. In fact, what he's going to do in this controversy, this conflict, if you will, is as he pours gasoline on it, he's going to give him some reasons as to why this actually is going to escalate in his time on on planet Earth. And so so that's what we're going to be looking at, John John chapter 5. And let me give you... Maybe we're saying we can just do the big idea of it right now. Let's do, let's do that. Here, here's what we're going to be talking about, okay? The Father and Son are working together to bring eternal life and justice to the world. That, that's, that's 
what the passage is about. That's the big idea of, of the passage. The, the father and son are working together to bring eternal life and justice to the world. Now, think about that with me for a second. What is it about that that is confrontational, full of conflict, and ought to be some kind of a pitched gun battle with it? Like, isn't that, wouldn't that be like a good thing to be doing in the world? But somehow, all of those words right there turn the whole conversation in the life and ministry of Jesus from these glorious healing stories where Jesus heals someone from long distance, heals someone who's been paralyzed for 38 years, and now that creates controversy even as this is happening, the father and son working together to bring eternal life and justice to the world, and somehow the conflict is going to escalate. So we're going to look at that escalation, why it is that Jesus pours gasoline on it, and then we're going to let it hit us on Father's Day. We're going to let us hit us in, in, well, three different categories that I'm going to walk us through at the back end of our time together, okay? We're going to be done about 2.30. So here we go. We're, okay, we're going, to, we're, going to walk this, we're going to walk this through. We're going to pick it, up, pick it up in John, or excuse me, yeah, John chapter 5, verse 16. Just going to go through the first three verses to make sure we get the lay of the land, why this thing is so, whoo, okay, Wow, we are really here. Here we go. John chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. So Jesus, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Okay, we've got to pause there. What, what, what is going on? We've got to make sure. Jesus, what, th- what things are Jesus, is Jesus doing in John chapter 5, verse 16? He just healed a guy who's been, he's been sick for 38 years. Not sick, he's paralyzed, 38 years. But he did it on the Sabbath. Okay, now that, that isn't cool. He told the guy to take up his mat, right, that he was lying on, and walk around, walk around with it, and that was an offense to the Sabbath, according to the, to the rabbis. And so Jesus, in his defense of doing that, in that particular way, pours gasoline on it. How does he pour gasoline on it, you say? My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. What is he saying right there? Okay, we're just going to stay with me here for a second, deep dive. The, the Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day and later asked themselves this question. One of the many questions they asked themselves, does God break his own rules when it comes to the Sabbath? Because... If God didn't continue to work, the whole world would be in chaos. So God rested, but he has to continue working on the Sabbath, or the whole world would be, well, it would just spin out of control. So they determined then that, that, God, did not, that, that God did not lift anything beyond his capacity, and he didn't carry it any further than, and so they created this framework where God could continue to sustain the world on the Sabbath by continuing to work. 
because he didn't transgress too much work on the Sabbath. That sounds really complicated. People are trying to get their mind around, what is going on here? How does God work this out? Jesus says, I'm doing the same thing. What? He said, no, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. You've already wrestled this one to the ground, you guys. <laughs> the Father is working on the Sabbath. That's the only way that the world continues to be sustained, right? Logically. Yeah, we did wrestle one, that one to the ground. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. That, that Sabbath healing that I just did is, is the same thing. I, I'm, I'm bringing life into death. I'm breaking in with this new life. I just brought healing to this guy who's been paralyzed for 38 years. The new way, God's new way, is breaking into the earth right, right now. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. And now it goes from verse 16, they began to persecute him, to verse 18, they tried all the more to kill him. Persecution to killing him in two verses. How come? Because Jesus claimed to be doing what God Almighty does. You see the gasoline? Are you kind of feeling the tension now? Like, oh, that's why this thing is really going nuts. Because Jesus is not just doing something that caused them to think, hey, you're breaking the Sabbath and that's a bad thing to do and God is going to come for us and bring us and call us to account for that. But Jesus says, no, the reason that I am doing that is because the Father has to work on the Sabbath or the world would, go, would, would completely be in smithereens and I'm doing the same thing. And now it's on. So Jesus is just going to continue, ready for this, to pour gasoline on this. He's just starting this controversy, if you will. And he's not doing this to be controversial. He's doing this to declare the truth. That this is what he has come to do. That the Father and the Son are working together to bring eternal life and justice to the world. And so in the next little section here, Jesus is going to answer. Now, just... One more pause here, and then we're going we're gonna to move into this passage, into this next section, okay? So, so the Gospels are written in such a way that they have lots of different kinds of literature that are embedded in them, okay? So last week, in the last two weeks, we've learned in the unique way that you can learn something about someone through a story, right? It's kind of an indirect way of learning something about someone. So we learn something about Jesus and his power to heal and his love to be able to heal and to bring life to a broken world in that way in which a story does because he heals on that. And it's a story about his healing, him doing that. He doesn't just say, I can do this or I really want to do this or this is really important. He doesn't, okay? And in this way, he, now he begins to turn the, the conversation. So this now becomes discourse. He's going to teach something. He's going to say something about what he just did, all right? And so what he's doing in this particular section is going to be interesting for many of us because in verse, verse 19, he says, he answers them. So there's this, there's this threat that is out there. There's this accusation, and Jesus is going to respond to this accusation by telling the truth about himself. 
And it's going to be all those themes that we've talked about here a little bit. So we're going to go through this fairly quickly. We're just going to look at how John or Jesus in John develops these themes. We're going to come back to our, our own lives and say, okay, where does this hit us and how does this inter, intersect us? Verse 19 reads like, like this. Jesus gave them this answer, right? We just said that. Jesus is answering this accusation. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also, or excuse me, also does. For the father loves the son. It's <laughs> great, right on Father's Day. And shows him all he does. <clears throat> yes, and he will show even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one. Here's our judgment, right? But he has entrusted, or the father has entrusted all judgment to the son, and there's an order that. In order that, or that, all may honor the son as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Okay, we're going to pause there for a second. You hear our three themes. The father and the son are working together. What are they working together to do? To bring eternal life and justice to the world, right? Can you hear them? You see them in there, right? And so the father and son are in solidarity. They are together. And so the son has this unique relationship in which he's mimicking on planet earth what God wants to do in all of human history. He is bringing eternal life. That's the next element. And so Jesus says, as the Father has life in himself, I have it too. And I give it to whoever I want to. I possess in myself eternal life. That is the kind of life that makes all things live. The kind of life that is not just a quantity, it is a quality. Jesus, in his own words in John chapter 10, is going to bring out this abundant life. Just to try to help us get our minds around the fact that it's not just a duration, it's a quality of life. He said, I have it. And I give it. <laughs> I give it away. And there's a flip side, if you will, sort of of that coin. And that coin is that it, because I so love the world, I hate what destroys what I love. Now, isn't that true as a parent? Isn't that true with people that you love? That you want good for them, and so wanting good for them, you don't like the things that harm them. And Jesus says, I'm bringing judgment or justice to the world because the world is out of whack. It's not right. And I need to bring right to the world as part and act of love. Here's go one more the theology thing. I'm going to go geeky on you. Stay with me for a second. I know it's Father's Day. You can have a nap here in a couple of minutes. Really, we'll, done be, we'll be done by 1.30, I promise. A.W. Tozier, in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, wrote something that has stayed with me since I, probably the day I, I read it. He said, God, in his essence, is simple. And what he means by that is that God, in his character, in his essence, is unconflicted. God does not have to choose between justice and mercy. 
God does not have to choose between love and discipline. He doesn't have to. He's always all that he is all the time. And so as we come to God and we look at something like this that seems to blend how Jesus brings eternal life and yet there's justice and judgment coming into the world, he is all those things all the time. They are never in conflict with him at all, at any time. And so Jesus says, as the Father is all of those things, I too am all of those things. And so the Father and I are working together to bring eternal life and justice to our world because we love it so much. Now, he's going to offer this eternal life to human beings, and that's the next little section here that we're going to hit in verses 24 through, through 29, that this eternal life that Jesus has in himself and gives away, he's going to offer freely and broadly to people. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says in verse 24, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, possesses it right now, and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death into life or to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That seems to be the, the people who are spiritually dead apart from the life that Jesus brings as eternal, as eternal life. For as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted the Son to have life in himself. He said that before, hasn't he? And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. And then he closes it out with verses 28 and 29. Excuse me. <clears throat> Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will, will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Okay, kind of hard stop on that one, because as we get into this final aspect where Jesus is going, <laughs> Jesus, where all who are dead will hear his voice and rise in what is called the general res resurrection. All people will, will do this. And Jesus seems then to kind of shift off topic a little bit from this gift of eternal life that he freely gives to people to the resurrection of the dead where good people will go one way and bad people will go another and we kind of our gears grind a little bit but hang on a second the gears don't need to grind because what Jesus has said earlier in the in the gospel is that the good news of Jesus so profoundly influences us as it comes and intersects our life that we actually become people who move toward the light. And the reason that we move toward the light is so that our deeds can be shown forth as coming actually from God. This is John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. And so, so this, this good and evil thing is simply much more of a reflection of the light has come to us, come into us, moved through us now, and we become children of the light, to borrow from Paul's language. Father and Son are working together right now to bring eternal life and justice to the world. It doesn't seem like that would be, should be a hard sell 
but somehow it becomes this place where it just, it just engages conflict and it becomes controversial because Jesus says in front, of all of, in front of these people and by extension to us, the reason that that is all happening is because I have it and I possess it. So it's caused me to reflect a bunch in the last, little week, last week or so as I've thought about this. Like, how do I respond to this? I realize that I don't quite share the electricity of the controversy that these people seem to share. There's kind of nothing in me that reads that and think, yeah, I should kill, Jesus should be killed. Of course, I'm looking at this as a believer in Jesus. I realize I can't, you know, it's a kind of conflict. But even before I was a believer in Jesus, I didn't look at this and think, wow, that, that's a capital offense. This guy should be off planet Earth. This guy is, I didn't think necessarily that. As I've thought about this, kind of reflected, I just want to offer maybe three different places that it struck me. Maybe invite you to join in in your own kind of way to ponder some of this. How do I respond? Now, in fairness, this could probably be true about any section in John's gospel. They're kind of generic in one sense or whatever, but they've, they've been the things that have been on my heart and my mind in the last week, week or so that I thought about. So here, here they are. We've got three, three categories. Believe, bow, and follow. Now, just parenthetically, one of the things that I love about John's gospel is that he uses simple language to communicate deep and profound truth. It's it's true in English, it's just as true in Greek. Light, life, eternal life, alive. One of the smart people on my bookshelf is is Merrill Tenney's commentary, The Gospel of Belief, because John uses, he puts in Jesus' mouth, in his words, belief so, so often. But, but here's what I've been going in my, my head a little bit in the last uh, little... It, by the way, it's a troubled place in here. Can I just say that? There's a lot of really... There's squirrel, there are whole forests of animals here fighting, and I don't know whating. Dave, help me out here. Okay, so anyway, so believe. believe and I'm thinking, okay, great, great. So, so believe, and, and, and I realize how much I kind of have a ranking in that. I need a synonym, and this is a very fair synonym of the Greek word believe. It's to trust. And so trust kind of gives us a little bit of a different kind of a nuance to me, a little bit. It's like, okay, it's a little bit, because I can believe some things, but really not act on them. And I, that got me into thinking something a little bit different. I thought, yeah, so, so I, I really can acknowledge intellectually that I believe that and make no action at all on, on, that, on that belief. Okay, that, that's fair. Trust kind of gets a little bit. And then, but then trust kind of got me on a little, bit of a little bit of a journey here because I realized that, and I realized that many of us, maybe all of us do this instantly. So I, I say the word trust, and, and you and I go instantly to a couple different things. The, the first is, what are you trusting in? And then, how sure are you of what or who you're trusting in? Right? And we all do this instantly. So, for example, my wife, Debbie, is, is here. So, so maybe, maybe men, I'm going to pick on us just for a minute. I'm going to bring it back, I promise here. But just, just for a minute. Maybe you've joined me in this, this club. 
It's the club that, and I'm going to really date myself, you got a phone call before, right, you had a cell phone and your wife could text you or whatever, and you get a phone call that goes something like this. Hey, listen, we're having so-and-so and so-and-so over tonight, and so I need this from the grocery store. Will you get it on your way home, right? Now, how many of you are 100% certain that I delivered the goods and brought that home? Let's see your hands right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. None of you are, right? All of you are just looking at me like, oh, yeah, I got nothing for you on that, right? And so sure enough, right, that happened. I didn't bring it home. Sometimes I've brought home a partial list. So the next time my wife asks me this, right, she may love me to pieces. She may trust me in all kinds of different ways, but I obviously stink at bringing home the groceries that we needed for whatever it is that we needed. And so the trust level is in the basement. I don't know wherever it is, right? It's kind of gone. Now, in that aspect of trust and looking at that, we all do that instantly. So when we come to this about believing, what is it that we believe or trust about Jesus? In probably oversimplified language, what the good news of Jesus invites us to believe is that Jesus gives eternal life to people who don't deserve it. <laughs> See, in the good news of Jesus, our bad stuff can't keep us out, and our good stuff can't get us in. Our bad stuff can't keep us out. And our good stuff can't get us in. I said it a second time. Because something that is so simple like that is so massively disarming. What are you left with? Really? What are you left with? And the answer is kind of like, just grace. Really? <laughs> no, seriously. So my bad stuff, like if I can't like fix it or kind of get around it or really be sincere about never doing it again and making promises that I may or may not be able to keep but I want to keep, can't that like count? No. And can't if I like kind of build the spiritual resume and I do these activities or I come to this or I do that or I, I you know, can I build a CV, a spiritual CV somehow that, that gets me something? No, no. <laughs> that I trust that Jesus gives eternal life to people who don't deserve it and that my bad stuff can't keep me out and my good stuff can't get me in. And so I have to throw myself on grace. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So I trust that the good news is really good for people, all people, whose bad can't keep them out and whose good can't get them in, and I can throw myself onto that, and it's enough to trust in him who gives eternal life to people like me. 
Now, there's a bow factor, right? And, and, and the bow factor, it goes simply something like this. That Jesus said that all may honor the Son even as they honor the Father, that there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father in Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the Lion and the Lamb. He is the one. And we will bow before him and we will do all that. And so we bow before him as all of that. And as we bow before him as all of that, what's implied by that is that we follow. We follow him. He's the king. <laughs> Some of you are like, I, I just wanted to watch someone get dedicated and like have a root beer. <laughs> As we follow him, though, Jesus does what he does in every other kind of category. He fills it, and then he just completely overflows it. He does it in John's gospel. He just completely overflows it. Because when we think about following him, and we think about bowing down, it becomes kind of this... And it becomes kind of a frightening and almost fearful kind of a thing. It becomes almost a militaristic thing where following becomes one of these, right? And we do some of those kinds of math and it's straighten up and fly, right? And now all of a sudden we're back to, hey, get your stuff together and fall. And I'm like, wow, didn't I just abandon that? Like at the first word, wasn't I supposed to trust that my bad stuff can't get me out and my good stuff can't get me in? But now when I follow him, I got to salute and I got, oh, wow. And so Jesus helping us and coming alongside as the one who loves us and has rescued our souls. It says in John chapter, chapter 15, I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you a friend. The slaves don't have any idea what their master's doing. But I've read you guys in fully much as you can handle at least now. And this relationship that I'm going to fill but then overflow is that I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but I want you to relate to me and we will always relate not just as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but as friends. Now think about what that does as it flips the conversation. I have some great friends that are here today. Some old friends, well, they're not old, but you know what I mean. We've been friends for a long time. Yeah, I'm old. Yeah, here we go, right? And so think about the way, I just, I'm thinking and envisioning a hundred conversations, maybe more, where we have just been like unvarnished, transparent, honest, real, genuine, no holds barred, anything you want to know, any questions, a fair question, all that kind of stuff. The things that friends and that hard-earned aspect of friends where you find friends that you just want to be thick with, right? And all those kinds of relational things, you're just you in the fullest and most beautiful sense of the word, right? And Jesus says, I want you to be that with me as you follow. Because of what the good news has done, because your bad can't keep you out and your good can't get you in, 
Because as you bow and you follow, that you give your whole heart as I've given my whole life and heart to you. And that we relate to one another as friends. And so you come and we sit around a campfire. We sit around a table. We sit in a living room. We sit somewhere or whatever. And we don't just sit, of course. We're also doing stuff. But as you follow me, I want you to think about this as a friend. See, part of the reason that this has been over and over for me is because, you know, you you walk through life and there are peaks and valleys, right? You walk through life and there are some curveballs and some challenges to the reality of how you think and how you trust. There are some dents in the armor. There are some limps in the walk. There are some head scratching and questioning and like, I am, well, can I say it out loud? I'm not sure I signed up for this. Jesus? or anybody else for that matter. And so where I've come to is the reality that these aren't just points for me, they're processes. Let me just flip the language and then we're going to pray. Okay, just kind of pray over these things. Keep on believing. Just change the tense of the verb. Keep on believing. Keep on bowing. Keep on following. See, I've had, to, I've, had to, I've had to change the tense of the verb. I, I, the journey here with the King of kings and the Lord of lords is to keep on believing, keep on trusting. Keep on bowing. Keep on following. So as we close our time together and we continue to worship, I'm going to invite the, the worship team back up to, to lead us in worship, and I'm going to invite us to just bow for a second in prayer. I'm just going to walk through those things just for a moment or so and allow you and what kind of is going on as you think about your relationship with God and all the stuff that um, you're walking in and walking out with your friend and King of Kings and Lord of Lords, eternal life giver Jesus. So let's pray. So fathers, we come on this Father's Day 2023. And we come to you with our, our real lives, our, <laughs> our journeys. The many, many places where you are inviting us to keep on trusting. The failures and the successes maybe that would cause us to, to move away from just unvarnished pure grace those places maybe as we come and we we bow where we we wonder if maybe some shiny things have gotten our attention distracted us so we want to keep bowing before the one (laughs) who gives eternal life and who is due all honor and glory and praise. I want to keep on following. We were all, because of the nature of life, Father, at a completely different place last Father's Day. And whatever that is, Lord, wherever we are, we ask that on next Father's Day and all the days in between, 
that we would be followers of the one who has life in himself and so freely gives it to people whose bad stuff can't keep them out and whose good stuff can't get them in. We bow before you now and sing in reverence and awe and worship. In Jesus' name, amen.